and welcome to Universally Speaking, the Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast. My name is Ben Townsend from bentownsendmusic.net and I'm joined as always by... Sam Townsend from samtownsendmusic.tw Sam Townsend Music from samtownsendmusic.tw and all I can say about this one is... It's a repeat! I believe that's Taiwan. It is. Or Taiwan. Yeah, or, yes. And we previously, last time we did Taiwan or Taiwan, mm. we talked about what it had been known or is known as now. Because right. I believe it's, is it Taiwan? Uh, we're joined by the longest stick in the bush, Mr. Simon Longhorn. <laughs> Sam, um, sorry, is Taiwan still called Taiwan or has it changed its name? Well, I think it's still Taiwan. Okay. Well, I was there earlier this week. Right, of course you are. Um, and it is still called Taiwan or Taiwan. But yes, it's up and running still. Uh, great. It continues to operate as a website, which is great. So that's www.samtownsandmusic.tw. Just for anybody who does want to check it um, out. Check that out. It's a cracking site. A wonderful website. <laughs> wonderful website. Yeah. A, a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful website. website. No, a wonderful, wonderful website. That's what the www stands oh, for. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. I'm back with you. Now we are, well, I'm with you, uh, the getaway. Yes, and well, should we just mention the... Of two? course, what records do we have on the wall today, we have Sam? This DOS is, Records. DOS Records, this is a new feature for the podcast called What, what? You Walling. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I, I'm currently walling blood sugar in honour of the today's subject matter. Well, of course, today's subject matter is blood sugar magic, blood, no, blood sugar sex magic. Yes, don't forget the sex. Part three, never do. Apart from then, yeah. Blood, <laughs> blood sugar, sex, magic, part three. With the uh, so we're doing the vinyl, vinyl side three with the addition of give it away, which we didn't la- do last time because of an ill-timed power cut. Yes, indeed. So blood sugar's on the wall, and uh, a recent addition to the collection, and a great addition. Is to I'm the beside you. I mean, that is one hell of an album. It's a great album. I've been enjoying it this week. Got it for my birthday, which was last Wednesday, uh, from my wonderful wife. My wife mm. bought me I'm Beside You. Sleeve of Wizard. Yes, and uh, it's brilliant, and it looks fantastic in the frame. So there are the two records that we're currently framing. Here's a warning. It's called What You Warning. Oh, sorry, What You Warning. Sorry, I, I thought you said here's a warning. I've issued you with the first warning of this episode. If you reach three warnings, you're out. Out? Yeah. What for good? Yes. Goodness me. Question. Yeah. Has there been a better double album release by the Red Hot Chili Peppers than I'm With You and I'm Beside You? Or I'm Beside You? Uh, No. Okay, that's that. (laughs) So, moving on. Before we crack into it, I do want to dedicate this episode to somebody. Sure. A young, vibrant young fellow by the name of Mr. Daniel Boyd, of course. Ah. And he... We want a big shout out to him. He has married the wonderful Courtney. Yes. And we just want to say, mate, guys, congratulations. We send you heartfelt love. Uh, Dan was one of the first people to reach out to us, wasn't he? He, were, well, he certainly was. Uh, and one of the people that kind of gave us the impetus to, to have this as a regular thing rather than an just ongoing an ongoing project or project, project yes, if you will. It, exactly. He gave us the confidence, the self belief. Well, he did. To carry it was on. nice, wasn't it? We were in your lounge and we got that email. It was near Christmas. We we're having a family Christmas get together. We were. Yeah, it was. It was great. So, it's, without people like Dan, we wouldn't be sat here today. Well, we might be. 
But we wouldn't be doing this. We wouldn't be doing this now. But well, we wouldn't be sat in this particular garage. Yeah, just in silence. Yes. Like, like the rest of the time. Exactly. So let's raise a beer to Dan. Let's raise a beer to Dan. I've already opened mine, but I can make the noise. Go on then. Cheers. Cheers, Dan. Cheers, Courtney. Cheers, Dan. Congratulations yeah, nice to you both. We are moving on now to Blood Sugar Sex Magic Part 3, and we are starting with Give It Away. Quick update before we move on to Give It Away. The longest stick in the bush has confirmed that Taiwan is, is called Taiwan. Yes. Shock, shock news, Taiwan's called Taiwan. You allege that it might have uh, been called Chinese Taipei at some point. Do you want to go on record with that? No. Right. I, it, I, it's in the back of my mind that it might have been. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll look it up. Yeah, we'll look And it we up. may or come may not come back with another update. And I, I, wouldn't I think I was um, confusing uh, Burma, which became Myanmar, with Taiwan. Well, Myanmar became Burma. No, I think Burma became Myanmar. Burma became Myanmar. Yeah. You know your Anmar? Yes. Well, <laughs> but yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how you remember it. That's why I can't find it. As we come generously mm. out of Give It Away, one of the biggest songs on Blood Sugar Sex Magic in the eyes of the public, I think you'll agree, Sam? Not just on Blood Sugar Sex Magic. No, indeed. Do you think that it's Give It Away is one of the most recognisable chilli songs to the general population, save the population? Yes. Good. Absolutely. Well, that's that one wrapped up. It's, it's a quick episode if you just say yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes or no to everything. It's, um, it's one of those songs, isn't it, which is, is fantastic. We've just stood and listened to it there, done some dancing, some prancing, if you will. Oh, well. However, when it comes on, you just think, oh, it's just give it away. Mm. And when they play it live, everyone goes, oh, they play it every show. Maybe yeah. it could be switched yeah. out. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. But... At the, at the nucleus of all of this is a great a song. A great song. I, I think we'll get more into this because I have quite well, strong... Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise, why are we here? We'll just be sat in silence like the old days. Yeah. I think that, the, as you say, the nucleus of this is a, is a brilliant song which over the years has lost its power for me. Yes. Until I then listen to until I listen to the album version again. Yes. And then it, and then it gets back in. We and are the power is regained. We are blessed and lucky this episode... Once again, on the Blood Sugar Sex Magic episodes, to have so much input from friends and ambassadors of this podcast uh, who have put so much work into their contributions. Yes. We have drum notes from fabulous, the fabulous Jack Fox, aka Jack Johnson, aka, of course, Magic Johnson. Yes. Giving us the lowdown on Chad Demith Smith. 
we Legend. have the superlative Aidan Hampson giving us bass voice notes on the guy who we must na- from here on refer to as Mickey B the Flea. <laughs> yes, we're contractually obliged uh, as per our agreement with the Coaster Company. Thank you. Uh, we, of course, have Coon from Red Hot Chili Riffs giving us the up and down of it all about the John Frusciante contributions to this album. Yes. We've got guitar, how it was recorded. We have pedals, guitars, effects information. Both um, Aidan and Kuhn provide us with audio examples of the bits and pieces which will be dropped in. So that's absolutely amazing. And of course we have the, uh, the fantastic Amace, who was the man of the moment really in 1991. He was. He was there. He was absolutely loving it. Give us a, a little bit from Amace about the context of this song. Uh, for, from a guy who was there in 91, absolutely lapping it. Well, he was, and he instantly points out that this song was absolutely massive in that year. Mm. Uh, there were probably about 50,000 different versions of the single with a million remixes, he says. Uh, it still sounds really fresh today. And I think that's something that can be said for this song, but also a lot of the songs on this album. Mm. This album is old. Yeah. Well, 1991, so how many years ago is that? Simon, do the math for us quickly. 32. Right, he's done it. <laughs> he's done it. <laughs> he's done it. That was 32 quick. years. 32 years old. I, I currently weigh in at 42. Hmm. And so, I, 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 of course, weigh in at an undisclosed number. Yes, but it's more than 42. Is it, though? Yes, it is. <laughs> it is. Um, 42. But that's an, an impressive feat. There's a lot of music from that time which hasn't stood the test of oh, time. Oh, God, yeah. Like, this, I, I might say, like, Dirty Cash by um, Stevie V. Yeah, that's a, a great example. Yeah. Uh, I, and he says, I know it could be dropped off the set list for a different song, but the album version is crisp and clear. Yeah, that, that, exactly. Let's, let's talk about the comparison between the album version and the live version for a bit then, because yeah. the live version now, when I go and watch Chili's, I'm not, I want a different song. I don't want Christ. to see Give It Away again. It's a, it, because they don't play it like this. No. And there are those slow but, down points. Those bits, yeah. But so I don't like it. It's but some of the aspects on the album version, which are which are I think utilised well live, like the ending when it picks up. Yeah, that's yeah, always that's, done yeah, well yeah. live. And and it adds just a, as, that's a good bit as well because what's cool about that part is on. Well, what I like about the album is it never quits, right? Yeah. Because it, it it drives hard from second one. Until second, the final second. That's a quality, but also could be noted down as a negative. No, no, I think it's a positive way through, because even on that little slow down section, it's only John that's slowing down. Yeah. Chad and Flea are continuing to pound away mercilessly. Yeah, but that's what I mean. Like live, that, that change at the end hmm. is, a, is a big change and a build-up. Yeah. It's played on the album... But it doesn't necessarily step up yeah, to no, 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 level. No, 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 you're right. Live, they break it down further. Yeah. But on the album, I like the fact that Chad's still keeping the beat going. Flea's still really doing that fantastic bass line. But John's kind of half-timing it. Mm. And that juxtaposes quite nicely with uh, John against Flea and Chad. Well, it does. It does. But yeah, I, I think live, it, you, know, you could argue that it deserves its place every night. Why does your computer keep making that noise? It won't do it again. Okay. You have my word. <laughs> do I? Yes. Do I? It's not necessarily worth anything. What I like about... Well, I like an awful lot about the song, but the power of that intro, when it's just the drums, and 
what is essentially quite a thin guitar line. Yes, exactly. Really high up. Obviously, he's he's coming in with that that big A, but then very very high up on the neck with those bends. It could be it could sound empty, but it doesn't. It immediately sounds like a a full on oral attack. A U R A L. Um, It's not a mouth attack. And it allows then, when the bass comes in, for it to go up another level. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, move on. <laughs> You're going to have to be more yes and on this episode, man. No, I, look, I was. I was, <laughs> just, I was just so right. I was just, yeah. <laughs> just Look, you're making good points. I'm just qualifying <laughs> them. Instantly. Hmm. Good. I think you were distracted by oral attack. I was. A, 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 a mouth attack. <laughs> what's, what's JJ got to say about it? Well, get, let's go to JJ. Do you want to read JJ? No, you can do it. I did Amos. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. I haven't finished Amos, but... I... Well, finish Amos off quickly. Uh, okay. He says, Pete Weiss from Thelonious Monster played the jaw harp, Jew's harp. Okay, okay, okay. So no, we'll get... On in... the song, which gives it such a unique sound. Yeah. Which is true. And for me... <laughs> It's a, a quirky sound, a fun sound. It says, yes, this is a serious oral attack. Mm. Not mouth. Not mouth. But we are going to chuck in a little bit of light-hearted uh, boinginess. Which, ironically, the, the, the jaws up or juice up is played in the mouth. So it is, an, exactly. it is actually so an, this, it is an oral attack. It is, it, it is it's now, an O-R-A-L attack. It's turned in just when the mouth thought it was safe. Yeah. Uh, Pete Someone stuck up. in a bit of metal with a bongy bingy bit. Yes, it's bongy. I, and I, th- I think we've said this before about other songs. At what point does someone go, this song is good, mm-hmm. but what if we got Pete Vice in yeah. to make some bongy noises? Edelweiss. <laughs> yes. I'd call him Edel <laughs> if I knew it. Assuming his surname is pronounced Vice. You can call him Edel <laughs> even though you don't know. <laughs> I will now. You call, just do. Call him Edel. At what so, point did they say, let's get Adel in to... Yeah, do you know anyone called... First of all, it would probably say, do we know anyone called Adel? Edelweiss? Yeah. Yeah. No, right. no someone called Pete Weiss. <laughs> Fine, we'll just call him Adel. Get, get him in. <laughs> we'll call him Adel. Bring him in and we'll yeah. call him Adel. Bring him Pete Weiss. He ticks that box. Yeah. Has he got a boingy? And, you know, does he want to play on, the, on this song? Because I think it would, if we mixed it in... Almost all the way through, low enough that you yeah. can't hear it, but all the way through, pretty much. Oh yeah, let's have him boinging away in the background. Yeah, but it does; it works. So that's what I mean: creative experimentation. We've 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 trodden well, this ground let, before. Let's read this now. Experimentation is a seed of creativity. Yes, that's exactly. And it. also, structure is a seed of creativity. Yes, because what happened in this song when Flea was trying to come up with the baseline? Rick Rubin said, "Don't be faffing about." Keep it simple. That baseline to the structure. That baseline is iconic, and that is the structure for the song. That baseline, and and that's a nod to legendary producer Rick Rubin. Of course, it is. Double he's R. doing his job. Yeah, and well, he's freely admitted. I watched a video uh, with him being interviewed, and the guy said, "Can you play any instruments?" No. What's your qualifications to to be a massively successful music producer? Yeah. I haven't got any. Don't, they don't need any. Just what do you know about music? I like know what the thing is basically. I know what I like. I know, yeah, I that's guess. what he said. Yeah, yeah, and and that that's an example. And we see we see it a few times on Funky Monks of of them yeah. asking him yeah. what he thinks yeah. sounds and and serves the song yeah. 
the best. And that's the key part of it, is what serves the song. And oh, that, well, that's my middle name. Sam serves the song Townsend. Yes. It's not, not officially. Have yeah. you dropped the, the Donovan now, then? I've had to. Because it was too much. It was too much of a mouthful. Samuel Donovan serves the song Townsend has now been condensed to... Yeah, well, now I've, dropped my, I've also dropped the, the Samuel and the Townsend. So you just called serves the song? Yeah. I've shortened that to STS. So we've got STS on the microphone opposite me, talking about Adel. Yes. And, but, you know, let's... All joking aside, and that wasn't a joke. No, you have really changed the name of serves the song. <laughs> I have. Um, it's in, you know, it's, it's, and Flea does this so well. He's, he is, I mean, this isn't a, a, a case of him playing something really straightforward, but he's more than happy to do that if that's what the song requires. And he has done over the years. Let's go to Aiden. We've talked a lot about Flea there. Let's mm. see what Aiden's got to say about this iconic bass line. What's that track? I think it's really interesting how surprisingly simple this bass line is. It's really only based around two, maybe three ideas. If I, if I play the main verse... That's it. As far as Flea's playing goes, and as far as we know, what we know about Flea as a bass player, there are surprisingly small amount of feels in here. We... For that particular riff, we have to go as far as bar 88 in the song before we get. Um, and then there's a few more fills creeping after that. Things like that. or um, But it's pretty, much, it's pretty much the same two bars over and over again. And even when we do have a variation, which is in the chorus, it's the same bass line but move from an A to an E. And so it's the same idea. It's the same idea. In fact, on the Funky Monks documentary, there's a really nice clip on there about um, with Fleet and Rick Rubin having a chat about how simple the baseline needs to be. And I've heard people talk about Rick Rubin before saying, but what does he actually do? And I think the difference in sound between Mother's Milk and Blood Sugar Sex Magic describes really well what he actually does. Either he doesn't do anything and kind of gets out of the way and just enables people to make music they've always wanted to make rather than sticking his oar in and making it into music that he wants to make. Or he goes through a process of refining and boiling down ideas and bringing songs down to the, kind of their core and making sure that the... the, the um, the main message of the song is transmitted really well through the music. And that's exactly what happens in Give It Away. Here, have a listen to their chat that they've had um, about this song. And then also I'll include a bit in there where you can hear an example of Flea playing the part with more variation and how the impact is lessened as a result. Yeah, that was a cool little part. Like what you just bought. Yeah. It is so hard because there's so little time in each thing. But just keep them really simple. Bottom, bottom. Okay. On, on, on. Bottom. Okay. Okay. <laughs> 
The other part of the song is the chorus, and it might, this might be the simplest thing that Flea plays on the whole album. And that's it. And I can really hear um, kind of a borrowed that from Le Freak by Sheik. Um, and under that, the bass goes. Exactly the same notes, exactly the same rhythm, exactly the same uh, everything, pretty much. But it works. It works because there's so much space. And we know that in funk music, it's the space that makes it funky. It's not the notes, it's the space. Apart from that, the only other thing that's really worth noting is the amount of sliding that Flea does. A lot of less adventurous bass players probably keep it down the bottom of the net. Which is quite fun. But Flea doesn't do that. Of course he doesn't. He takes these notes, places them up an octave. Which means we get all this sliding as I go up and down the bass. Which is literally dripping in personality and in funk and... It's, just, it's one, of the, one of the many things that makes this song so cool. Okay, I think that's covered everything. Thank you once again for inviting me on the podcast, and I will see you next time. Amazing stuff from Aiden there, and that covers, reiterates uh, some of the stuff that we were saying about Rick Rubin. And also what we were saying uh, privately. Yes, one of our private chats. Oh, yes. Uh, are we going to make it public? Mm, uh, yes. Okay. About the amount of sliding off Flea does oh, as that, well, which oh, you, could, yeah. you could really hear there when Aiden was just playing that main verse bass riff. Yes. The amount of... It was a very recent private chat, wasn't mm. it? It was uh, about two minutes ago, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, Aiden's talked about the, the energy, the, the ambition of it. Yes. So not just playing it low on the neck, but sliding up high. Yeah. And it, it is so simple, but it's the... The fact that he's not playing it as those notes, as you might assume somebody would play those exactly. notes, that makes it that makes it exciting. Yes, and 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 Aiden's right. The, the sliding is absolutely key to the whole song. It's almost the the basis on on which the song is built, and it is the sound of the song. Yes, it is. I mean, if you think of "Give It Away," you're not thinking of uh, John's guitar line, which no. is a great guitar line. Yeah. Um, ding, down, bam, bam, that's slow down bit. Down, down, bam, 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 that's the bass part. That's <laughs> <laughs> just sort of guitar bit go. Uh, well, let's not, don't dwell on it. Don't dwell on it. Well, no, I, will, I will dwell on it. Hang okay, on. well, while you think about there. it, I'll say this. You're also not that focused on Chad's drums, but his drums are absolutely massive. And, oh, they're, they're massive powerhouse. And, and at times, they, they, you know, he fit where, where the bass and the guitar leave him space. He uses it in relatively simple ways, but so effectively, and and gives the song another personality. When all those four instruments or personalities, as I now call them, <laughs> are brought together, you you end up with this perfect soup of creativity. The snare sound, yeah. So I get what's the, in that soup? What's the snare sound? So I guess the soup, is, the soup is the instruments. Yeah, it's a crew tub. Yeah, it's so punchy. Or, the, po- the, or possibly the, the, uh, the cheese. Is it a cheesy crouton that you get in French in onion? In French onion, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. it could be described as that if, you know. And I, I think you're right, because for me, the cheesy crouton on a French onion is one of the premium parts of the soup. It's fabulous, but it's always so stringy. Yeah, but that's good. 
That's yeah. good. Stringier the better, I suppose. And in this instance, we're talking about the the taut snare drum. Well, let's go to JJ. And that, that embodies the stringiness the of the cheese. The stringiness of the cheese. Let's go to JJ and see if he if at all references the snare drum being a, a juicy crouton. <laughs> I think he will. He says, for this being one of their biggest songs and the song that they end all their live shows on. There isn't really much going on drum-wise. So, <laughs> so what? He hasn't, no what cheesy crouton analogy. Crouton. It's a lot of the same stuff that's been happening on the rest of the album. Chad accenting what Flea is doing over, over the bass and just laying it down hard and funky for the rest of the band to paint over. Yet another example of the band... I've never said an example Hello. before. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> an example? Go with it, go with it. Okay, yet another example of the band being sync. <laughs> Okay. Even the famous snare drum fill at the start song is mirroring the fill that John is playing on the guitar. Who knows who came up with the fill first, but I'd like to think it was John and Chad took it upon himself to copy the rhythm. Again, there's another great story behind this song on the video on the Drumio YouTube channel about how they recorded the drums on a different kit in a different room. Using a different kit might be a good reason as to why there's not a lot of flashy playing going on here. JJ goes on sale, magic as, as we call him. I do like how Chad really mixes it up when they play this live, especially the ending. He will often do crazy kick drum patterns, move over to the ride cymbal, do some fast fills and go double time for the Black Sabbath riff, riff ending, which I think is only right to do at a live show. Yeah, so Jack, Jack is there saying that those uh, live uh, changes... Mm is that he likes. And I do like the, the ending. I like at the end of it when they go like that and Chad's going crazy. Yeah. I just do not like live when they slow down and do that do-do-do-boom-boom part yes. in mid-verse. Right, and nice to hear a shout-out to Fast Phil. Yeah, and he hasn't been on the podcast for a while, if no, ever. It, Who's the other <laughs> Phil? Oh, it's little Philip Leedwright. Yes, Fast Phil. It, well, the problem is we can't keep up with him. No, he can't. He's like Billy Wiz <laughs> from the uh, Beano slash Dandy. Yeah, exactly. For me, I often skip through this song when listening to the album. Nothing against the song itself. I've just heard it so many times. And, and I can feel that because everybody has heard Give It Away that many times. Yeah. However, when you are forced to listen to it... <laughs> well, for work. For work, yeah. yeah. Well, it's the Californication yeah, of, of um, that particular era. Yeah, yeah. But it, without it, things would be vastly different. Well, without this and Under the Bridge. Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're the two. They're the two big ones, aren't they? Off this album, they were the biggies. Nothing. This is where the band broke through into a different stratosphere, and it is under the bridge and give but it away. into the stratosphere. No, prior different, to that, a they different have, stratosphere. No, they were already in the strat- a stratosphere. Yeah, and then they broke into a stratosphere too. Yeah. Let's talk about the Swan, and then we'll. Then I'd we'll, love to. Then we'll um, go on to a little bit of guitar chat. Yes. Okay. Well, you talk about. Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I thought you were going. To. Well, what power? How, I'll give you some quick tidbits that you can then jump upon. Okay, and say yes, yes. Powerhouse performance, brilliant vocal delivery, so inventive. Loads of references. Go. Okay, it is a powerhouse performance. Yes, and it is a performance which perfectly melds this new approach, as it was, which is the rap, but with an improved and even further improved delivery. Okay. There's not so much um, melodic singing, or if any. But it's a hard song but, to sing, but he is singing it, isn't he, uh, rather than rapping exa- it? Well, it's a, com- it's a perfect combination yeah. of the two, and it is hard. It requires a, a lot of breath. It requires a, lot of, a, a level of stamina. Tongue dexterity. Tongue dexterity, throat 
stamina. Yeah. And you yeah. have to be fit. He's always been a fit man. Mm. And that's why he's able to deliver these, these performances. When we used to do it in the Lukies, it was one of those ones where at the end of it, I would be glad it was over and glad that I'd done it. It's hard work. It's in hard fact, work. I think you'd probably agree that when you're in the Lukies, the lukewarm chili peppers to those new listeners, mm. a lot of the, the, the big chili songs, chili's songs, are hard to sing and are difficult to sing. Yes. Yeah, they are. <laughs> well, you're absolutely right. And, and for two reasons. One is vocal stamina for a song like this, mm. which requires an awful lot of breath work. You're, you're, you, you're, you're really delivering it hard. So it, it's a workout vocally. And the other thing is for a song like Callie, say, mm. is... The Swan has a very, well, I say very unique. Mm, it can't be very unique. No. It's either unique or it's not. And I say unique. Do you? Yes. So. Fine. Um, he has a unique mm. delivery. <laughs> uh, and it's, and it's, it's, it's high. It's, you know, Psychic Spice from China is it's, it's high. But also it's powerfully delivered. Are we talking so, about Californication? <laughs> well, I am now. <laughs> okay. but the two reasons why the Swan is so good is that he's powerful, he's got vocal stamina, but he's also got the ability to sing relatively difficult parts, but with a strong, a strong delivery. Yeah. And that comes down, again, to his, his fitness, his vocal fitness. Yeah. And, for a, a, and this, is a, this is a melding, it is a blend of, as you can see on this album... But not as much as Californication, obviously, of his style changing. Mm. So on and here you've got songs like Under the Bridge and you have songs like I Could Have Lied. And adapting. Yeah. Moving into uh, One Hot Minute where you have things like My Friends. Yeah, which is hard to sing. Which is hard to sing. Because it's technically very good, but also delivered in a powerful, with a powerful approach. And then, of course, then moving on to Californication, which is where he's he's heralded as changing his yeah. his delivery style. He's a bit like I mean, I, I think he is because live you you can see now that these are the songs that he would struggle with. Hmm. He still does a good job on Cali, but and but he does he unfortunately does say uh, first born unicorn now. <laughs> Hardcast up on well. <laughs> he has to do that now. <laughs> Why? Why is he doing it? He does it. He does it. Is that on his auto cue? Yeah. Someone, <laughs> is he like Ron Burgundy? And he'll read whatever's on his auto cue. And someone's stitching him up. Yeah. And putting uh, first one you can now. Hardcast up on well. <laughs> and no, it is a question mark. Says. First born you car now? <laughs> Hard car, soft pun. Well? Well? Yeah, I think that's exactly what's happening. But you've done it in the past, haven't you? You've written songs right at the top of your range. Well, I've, I've written songs. Which in years to come, you just sing. won't be able to. Yeah, well, already. You well, can't. I, yeah, I've written songs where I wrote them in a key but never actually sang them at, at the full potential. Yeah. In the range that, you know, in the, in the, like, the octave up, I was probably just blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And gone to record them with Gordy and said, okay. uh, I've recorded, the, there's a couple of games where I've done an entire backing track. Yeah. So I've done all the instruments. I've done the drums. The drums are okay. Yeah. Um, and said, well, we've got to basically start again. I, I can't okay. sing this song okay. I've written. No, exactly. 
And and but that's not the case with the Swan. I think the Swan does still does a good job. I mean, we, you know, we've touched on this many times. The Swan is still a top notch live performer. Yeah, he is. Of course, he is. I said adapting as well because you know this is a, a new this out this whole album is a kind of new musical sound for the Chili's. They've evolved mm. from mm. Mm. Uh, it, yeah Mother's Milk mm. into this new sound, which is fantastic. And the Swan is still adopting a style which he already had, but he's evolving to perfectly fit the sound of the band and the feel of the music. Yeah, I think it's another example of what um, Aidan touched upon with the Rick Rubin stuff. Rick Rubin enables people to create the music that they want to create. Yeah. Whereas in uh, contrary to that, uh, the, the fabulous Pete Moore, FPM, uh, sent me a book that Michael Beinhorn, mm. um, who was behind um, Mother's Milk, of course, he produced Mother's Milk. Oh, yeah, uh, uh, he wrote this book. And it comes across as a man who wants to have much more personal control. Yes, and that's an over. ego thing as well, I think. It's, it's, a, it's an interesting book. It's an interesting insight. Yeah. I'll lend it to you. Thank you. So let's just talk a little bit about the guitar solos, which are an interesting choice from, from John here. Because a, key, a key feature. They are a key feature, and obviously something that you're not going to be able to recreate live. They are backwards guitar solos. Mm. Very difficult to write as a concept, I suppose. Um, I know of two songs off the top of my head that have backwards guitar solos. Go on. I'm We're... wondering, Sam, if you're able to tell me those two songs. Okay. Give it away. Give it away by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. And Remember, it's in the it's in the big. I floor. know it is. I know who floor. I know who it's by. It's an REM song, right? Oh, it's going to be tough to pull it out of the bag at short notice. Do you want me to tell you? No, because I do know. Tell me, baby. What's the frequency, Kenneth? Oh, blood and sand. So, when I first heard the What's Freaks the Kenneth guitar solo, yeah. I hated it because it didn't... It, it wasn't forwards. It wasn't, yeah, because it wasn't forwards. And the rest <laughs> of the song was forwards. <laughs> <laughs> and that was happening. Yes. Uh, what do you think about the, the choice of doing these backwards solos on Give It Away? Well, Amy says the backwards guitar solo also makes it stand out from the crowd. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially at that time. I... Et Yeah, very good. Thank you. I didn't know you could do backwards solos verbally. Orally. Yeah, orally, yeah. That's both, um, oh, that's both mouth to your ear. Yes. Yes, it is. It involves everything that we... Previously discussed. Yes. Um, no, I mean, traditionally, I, I'm a bigger fan of forwards. Uh, yeah. So anything in forwards, yeah. really. Um, I can't think of anything that I do better backwards than I, than I do forwards. What about the episode of Red Dwarf called, literally called backwards? Do you like that episode? Well, I do, but I'd prefer if it was forwards. <laughs> <laughs> sure, of course you would. Um, but but it's, it's a talking point. And I think, it, you know, it's, it's an attraction. Mm. It's a, a foible. A foible? It's something that gets people talking. You know, mm. what about that? What about that backward solo? Yeah. We're doing it now. Do 32 that's, years that's, later. That's why they wrote, John said, chuck in a backward solo so that these... Uh, these two idiots can talk about it. 
<laughs> no, it's really it's going to add for things moving forward. But I think it, I think it works. Yeah, I think it works. I think it works for songs, well. Yes, and it, and it um, it works better than I, I think a forward solo would. What if you played the backwards solo forwards? It wouldn't. It literally took the solo that he played. Yeah, forwards. Someone would have done this. Yeah, someone would have taken that. Well, I isolated that guitar and and forward it. it. Yeah. Well, I ha- I have done that. Have you? And I can confirm that it sounds better backwards. But the rest of the band are playing. Imagine, and someone may well have done this, if you backwards everyone else and then forwarded the solo. That's what I'm thinking. Someone would have done that. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking someone would have isolated John's track and forwarded it. Yeah. And uh, then isolated the rest of the But somebody track. else would have done that, but then reversed the rest of the band. Yes. And anyway. What's the song called? Um... Keep it. No. Away it's give. Oh, you're just doing that. I did an oh, opposite thing. Um, yeah. Well, it's not an opposite solo. It's a backwards solo. Oh, yeah. Sure. Anyway, as we meander, to, we, Sam, we can't talk for, about all of... We've got four more songs to chat about. We've been going for 40 minutes. We, must we set up. no limits. Well, no, we I do. I do. Yeah. Limitations well, limitations are set, set only then. then can, can you go, go all the way? way. We all will go. Way. That means we can go all the way. Before we move on, let's just get some information from Kuhn from Red Hot Chili Riffs about uh, what equipment John was using for the recording of Give It Away and what equipment it was played through, how it was played. Uh, just a reminder, every time you hear these guitar examples on these episodes, it is Kuhn from Red Hot Chili Riffs playing these for us himself. Uh, it's not isolated guitar tracks from the albums. It is the man with the magic fingers, Coon from Red Hot Chili Wrists, doing this for us. So uh, that's fantastic. Thank you, as always. Um, give it away, Coon says, the main part of the song sounds like a Fender Jag through two Marshalls with the Dynacomp, Dynacomp compressor. It's hard to tell what guitar the backward solo is played on. It could be the Jaguar or the Strat. The outro riff is played on a Fender Jaguar through the Fender Hot Amp on the Crunch Channel. I've thoroughly enjoyed talking about Give It Away, and I'm looking forward to talking about Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Oh, this is a tune. Right, let's crack in. become bloodly, sweetly, mm. sexily, mm. and even a touch of the fantastical or magical. 
I am a qualified magician and a member of the Magic Circle. And I'm a sexy boy. <laughs> <laughs> so together, we are sexy magicians. <laughs> That's right. Out of Blood Sugar Sex, what a chest thumper of a tune. This is right up there. This is right up there as one of the best tracks on the album, I think. It is oft overlooked. Mm. Every time I listen to it, and I love it live, there's certain things about the song that I absolutely adore. Mm. Those guitar solos, but we'll get there. Oh, I know. The, um, the, the incredible bass playing. Aiden's going to go into detail on that. The, 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 how, dynamically how he plays it. Um, not Aiden Flea, but Aiden also plays it. So, you know, dynamically. Yeah. They're all dynamic fellows. Well, they are. I mean, you've, sp- you've spoken about... When we sat down before we started recording and you start talking to me, looking at me, speaking to the microphone, as if we were recording. And would you care to elaborate on what you were saying? What was I saying? You I were saying, saying I've been for a week. You so. were saying the most important on the element or character yes. in this song is... Well, that's right. Uh, I, the, the gentleman that I like to refer to as Chad Smith. Chad. The myth. Smith. Legendary, legendary drum beat. Let's just refer to uh, Amos for a moment. One of the coolest drum beats in any Chili song, he says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's but it, it iconic, yes. But the the variation, the decisions he makes throughout the song are just perfect. The use of the of the um, the ride symbol at times. The cr- the, oh, yeah. the use of the ride symbol combined with the crash uh, at times is is just fantastic. So so this is Chad at his powerful best, as far as I'm concerned. Fantastic. Whilst we're talking about power, I'd like to talk about effortless power, which is displayed by the Swan mm. in in the choruses. Mm. It sounds like you know you're really going to be straining and blood sugar. <sighs> He 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 delivers that with an ease that I think is absolutely wonderful and impressive. This is another one we just talked about um, on our catch-up section. Yeah, should we, I, I felt like I should we bring it up. Yeah, what? Well, I was very serious about that, and I meant it. Hmm. But let's lighten the mood. Oh no! Oh no! No no! I'm keeping it low. I'm keeping it down. Oh, in 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 recognition of the the verses, maybe. And what verses? Like let's, get, let's get there. Yeah, I know, yeah. but should we deliver it? Or we, I really like this song. <laughs> but, but, but I think there's a bit. Yeah, but, what, why did you go, Arnie? Can't you just go deep in your own accent? <laughs> no. <laughs> I always drop into an Arnie if I'm going deep. If I'm going to sing, blood. Hang on. I'll be back. Blood sugar sucker fish in my dish. How many pieces do you wish? wish. Step, Step into a heaven where I keep it on the soul side. God, please be my soul bride. Every woman has a piece of natural that copulate to create a state of sexual light. Kissing her virginity is my affinity. I'm mingled with the God. I'm mingled with divinity. I'm mingled with divinity. What a delivery from the swan. But we've gone off on so many tangents. Have we? Carry I'm, on. I'm dragging it back to Chad for a minute. Please do. Please I'm going to go to to Double J. Jack Johnson, Jack Fox, Magic Johnson. Listen to those drums. I'm surprised he doesn't swear. Wow, what a sound, what an intro. In the Drumio YouTube video with Chad, which every RHCP fan should watch, 
Chad talks about how Flea influenced this, this beat by asking him to play pea soup mm. on the hi-hats. And on a... Ma- on, big word now coming up. On the ma- onomatopoeia. Mm. Onomatopoeic sound for opening and closing the hats to match the sliding between notes on bass and guitar. Jack, you are, you are testing me out like Chad tested out that kit. A lovely insight into how bassists approach drum kit. But why don't you read it up here? <laughs> Sorry, we printed these out. I was reading it off my phone for some reason. I'd probably want to see uh, onomatopoeic mm. more easily. Onomatopoeic. I love this drum part. It's funky, solid, powerful and moving, all-encompassing. As per usual, there's a lot of improvising with the song live. Usually Chad brings the dynamics down a little during the verses and goes all out on the choruses, as well as some gratuitous overplaying during the guitar solo. We'll let him off with it, though. Interesting to note that there's not a lot of audible ghost notes on the snare during the verses. Mm. We've, we've talked a lot about Chad's ghost notes, and, and Jack has brought this up time and time again because they are there mm. across Chad's playing. Chad, on his uh, Dromeo video, talks about the fact that he loves ghost notes. Yeah, well, I do. I, I absolutely adore a ghost note. They're plastered through every other song on the album, but this beat is so solid and hypnotic. Boom. That's the There's big no word. room. That's the big word for this song, I think, is hypnotic. Yes. Yes. Well, exactly. And uh, to create that level of hypnosis, you cannot afford there to be any distraction. And so the ghost notes are, are, are out. I think that's probably a fair comment. So if you're a hypnotist out there... Well, I spoke earlier about being a, a member of the Magic Circle, but mm-hmm. I'm also a member of the uh, Hypnotist Go on. Society. Go on. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. Royal. The Royal Hypnotist Society. Yes. The RHS. Yes. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, do you want me to go into it? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> let's go back to Red Hot Chili Peppers. So let's just polish Jack off with uh, the end of these fantastic notes. No ghost notes. Um, all bell work, as you, uh, as you brought up, Sam, on the ride symbol during the choruses. I'd love to know the size of the bell. Suits mm. you, sir. Fantastic. It's a big bell. Far show reference. Because it cuts through like nobody's business. What a tune. One of my all-time favourites. So thank you, JJ, JF, MJ. Great stuff again. That, that, that bell of the ride does come through big way, doesn't it? It comes through big way, but it's such a crucial part mm. of, the, of the song. Well, because the whole thing rises on the chorus. Yeah. You're so locked in on those verses. I always think when you start using the, the ride symbol, it lifts. It feels... Shit, not the muff off. It feels like there's more space, doesn't yes, it, immediately? Yes. Well, exactly, yeah. That's right. Yeah, it opens things up. And then he closes it down again. Oh, that's what I... My thinking Going about... Back, the end, in, back into the... Yeah. It's like a full reset. The end of that first chorus where you go... Ding, 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 ding. Ding, 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 ding. It's a full reset. Yeah. Bum, bum. And did you and notice we, I paused it when we were listening? It sounds to me like on that final note of the final chorus before it fully resets, there's a, someone's playing a piano. A piano. Yeah. I'm looking for a piano, a piano, a piano yes, a piano, just any old piano, no one that makes you dance. Question, of course, now is is that a full size piano being played by a huge man? Or a small piano being played by a regular size Well, we piano. know that there was a miniature piano mm. uh, in the house. A piano. <laughs> but there was also a full-size piano. So who's playing what? Does that, that sounds like a... That doesn't sound like the piano 
It can't be the mini piano. No, because the mini piano that you hear on the likes of um, Mellowship is much more like plinky in there. Plink, yes. plink, plink, plink. That sounds like a low... It's definitely a full-size piano. That, again, is an, an, an amazing and easily... And I mean easily. Oh, what, don't what's, get carried away. What's more powerful than easily? <laughs> <laughs> um, overlooked. But it adds an additional depth. Oh, absolutely. What it does is, it, as you say, it's depth because it's a really depth low register sound. note. Yeah. Yeah, it's depth. It's, it's, it expands the oral, A-U-R-A-L, canvas. Yes, exactly. It's great. And you only hear it if you are properly listening to it through a very good... Well, I didn't hear it, and I was proper. I thought I was properly listening. And you've listened to that song, oh, a lot, six times over the years. Yeah, no, but you've, yeah, but probably. I've, I've never heard it. Not a million. I probably wouldn't go that high. No, I'd say you've probably listened to that the song "Blood Sugar Sex Magic" a hundred times. Oh no, more than that. We we can't be that. I'd say somewhere in the region of sixty thousand. Okay, that's a lie. But um, <laughs> well, somewhere in the region of. Okay, so. Like 150. Yeah. So let's go to Aiden. Let's get a little bass input. And uh, let's learn about how Flea played that bass line. This is one of the more straightforward songs in the album, featuring two main riffs that are played with very little variation. Flea changes things up in the short interlude, but we'll get back to that later. The main riff is based around power chords, which are chords built from the first and fifth degrees of the scale. This means they lack the vital third which tells the listener whether the chord is a major chord or a minor chord. And as a result, they have a very open, powerful sound, hence the name power chord. If you listen carefully to the bass part, you can hear a short, sharp attack on the chords. Flea produces this by placing his fingers under the strings, pulling them up and letting them snap back. This is exactly the same as the pop part of the slap technique, which is something we know Flea is very adept with. Here's the bass part without the popping. And here it is with the technique. You can hear how much the sound changes and it makes it much more challenging to play, especially with all the slides and position changes required to fret all the chords. This is quite a slow song at 74 beats per minute, but this does not hold John and Flea back with the chorus riff. This contains demi-semi-quavers. There are eight demi-semi-quavers in a beat and 32 in a bar. Basically, they're really fast. Here's the riff and see if you can spot them. Luckily, the riff uses the E blues scale, which is really common. So you don't really need to think about the notes too much. This one is all about that fast blur of notes. Like I said earlier, this is pretty much the whole song, apart from the short interlude, which we find at 2 minutes 50 and 3 minutes 35. This six bar section alternates between C and D sus2. And Flea plays a part that locks in well with the drum part. The power chord theme is continued with a lot of fifths used to add interest. 
Here it is. This is also almost identical both time Flea plays it. And that's it. All of Blood Sugar Sex Magic. It only has three riffs and has one of the slower tempos on the album, but it is deceptively tricky. Back to you, Ben and Sam. Thank you, Aidan. Amazing. And coming out of that, what strikes me immediately is the, the, uh, the slinkiness of John's guitar yeah, oh, against really. what Flea's playing and, use, and playing basically the pop part of the slap and pop. Yes. to give it more attack. Yes. So you have the, I mean, the brilliant, oh, we'll get to the guitar work from John, of course, but the brilliant guitar work against, against this phenomenal riff as well. When they're locking in together and you've got a brilliant wah-soaked riff yes. against that more, I guess, it feels more percussive, doesn't it, the way that Flea's playing it? Yeah, the thing that stri- strikes me about what Aidan said is, is the speed. Mm, it's languid. It's languid. That's a great. Did, did Aiden? Is that a word that you've just come up with on your own? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know. Sometimes I can. You're a wordsmith. I am. Um, it's languid. It's relaxed. Yet, p- the power is front and centre. Yeah. Sometimes the, the heaviest songs aren't the ones that the the that rush past. Well, so, yeah. That sometimes the heaviest songs are the one like the ploddier songs. You need time to be heavy. That's the thing. And this. It luxuriates in that in that anguidity. Well, and it, but it allows the listener to do the same. Mm. Well, when we were listening to it, we were going slowly crazy. Well, I, I I said out loud. I don't know if you heard. I couldn't I couldn't hear a word you were saying. I'm languishing mm. in this languidity. <laughs> <laughs> well, I saw you mouth it. It's just I did. I'd never heard the word languidity before. Just said that. It's not just That's said languidity. <laughs> the first time in his life. Yeah. But it? It, it is, isn't it? And it allows you to move in a way that you can't move to a faster song. The great thing about this song is you've got that hypnotic section of verses, but it goes so big in the choruses. Yeah. Uh, But then when it comes back to that reset that we spoke about, starts again, the guitar solo is utterly hypnotic. Mm. It's one of of my favourite Shante guitar solos. We've spoken a lot about the fact that I love one person basically playing the same thing over another person changing chords underneath. You've never said that. Nah, come on. Surely I must have mentioned that before. Surely I've mentioned that before. Once or twice. Once or twice. It's something you like and it's something that they do particularly well. Check that out, man. I know, man. I mean, (laughs) 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 I point to, I just assume towards the computer that's recorded. Check out this, check out this uh, Apple Mac. It's, It's impressive, man. Is that an Apple Mac or just an Apple laptop? It's a MacBook. It's a MacBook. Check out this MacBook Pro. The languidity of the verses is matched and mirrored by the power of the choruses. And that's why it doesn't, you know, it doesn't, that switch just seems so natural. Yeah, Sam, I completely agree with you. I think bringing together two disparate elements. Yes. Like a, a hypnotic, slinky verse where the swan, by the way. I'm with you. Thank you is solo in the register and is complementing that hypnotic groove so well. This to him... No, I'm sorry, I will have to stop you. Sure. 
to him changing up an octave yeah. as he does at the end of the verse. I've mingled with the gods. What mingled with divinity? Yeah, interestingly, I thought the first one is definitely a different. Um, he he's, he records the deep part, and then the. Do you think the octave up is separate? Yeah, separate. because it sounds like there's, a, there's, there's on the chorus, but on the second time it sounds like it almost goes into it. So it well, felt different to me. I don't pick up on that. I feel that the, the, the vocal is processed on the low parts because it's huge. Oh, it's massive. It sounds like nothing else on the album, that, that low rumble that the Swan achieves. Right, especially when you listen to it through a good quality pair of headphones. At maximum volume through a booster box. I mean, it was, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. But yeah, I mean, going back to what I said about his adaptability, this is a fine example of that. Mm. Mm. What, what a decision for him to deliver those um, verses in... In, in that register, register, yeah, amazing decision. Well, it's but it's it's um, it kind of mirrors uh, if you have to ask as well, yes. where you've got uh, the, yes. the low register delivery and then the and then the higher chorus. Yes, so something that he was he was obviously toying with at the time. Well, he'd gone beyond the toying process; he was doing it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he toyed with it hmm. and then done it, and then now he was confident I'd, I'd, enough. I'd to... say he toyed with it in rehearsal. Yes. Well, he toyed with it at some point before the recording of the album. Hmm. Let's, I think he doesn't need to say in scar tissue. Uh, scar what? <laughs> tissue. <laughs> tissue. Right. I, I'll read. I've actually got scar tissue here. Great. And uh, this is real. This isn't silly. This no, is, this is a genuine book. This is a real, the real book. It's a, oh, it's quite uh, discoloured. Browned. Yeah, what well, have you been doing with it? Um, Browning it up. <laughs> it's, just, it's, age. it's quite old, yeah. Okay, it's twenty That's years old now. Well, yes, nearly. Yeah. Well, when's it published? Very nearly. I would say it's nineteen years old. No, eighteen years old. Uh, nineteen. Sorry. Nineteen. 19. Years old. Oh, nineteen yeah. years old. So he was toying with the idea of scar tissue, the book. No, oh, that was two decades. Two. Years. Yeah, he was toy. He was toy. Anyway, with the let idea me read this section. Sure. Um, in nineteen. 19- 90, and actually, he says, beginning in 1989, moving into 1990, I was toying with the idea of singing verses in a low register yes. and then going an octave up for the choruses. We had two songs that I was uh, thinking this would work with. He doesn't do that. Uh, that's not written. No, that. that's, that's me. I'm, I'm extemporising. Yeah. One was called If You Have to Ask. Yes. And the second song had a title called Blood Sugar Sex Magic, which we all agreed would be a fantastic name for the album. Yes. That's all it says. That's it. That's the whole chapter. That's the end. (laughs) (laughs) The end of the book. (laughs) That's the whole book. (laughs) What's a book? That's the the abridged version. (laughs) The thing is now, for, for today's... Youth, I guess, with shorter attention spans, or even for me, because I can't sit through a yeah, film without looking at my phone. Don't, you know, don't that's the version that they go to. Yeah. Exactly. So you can get Scar Tissue Abridged, read out loud by me. Have you read Scar, <laughs> have you read scar Tissue? Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah. It's 20 seconds <laughs> long. <laughs> it's about a fellow toying with registers. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. It needed to be written. What we're going to do now is we're going to check out Coon's technical notes for this song, because... This stuff is fantastic. This is gold dust. This is gold dust. Coon from Red Hot Chili Riffs brings this stuff. Then we're going to listen to some audio examples as well. A lot of people think that the high notes in the beginning of Blood Sugar Sex Magic is a Strat or Jaguar picked above the nut 
But I think it's actually the choral sitar that John uses on the song. The sitar has sympathetic strings above the standard six strings, and I think that's what you're hearing on the intro. So when I was listening back, and I've always wondered, what's that noise? Ding, ding, noise at the beginning of the song. I was checking it out at home. I took out my guitar and strummed the strings above the gnat. Yeah. I thought, well, it's not that. That's what it sounds like, but it doesn't... None of the like standard tuning sound like that. No. Coons cleared it up for us, I think. The main riff sounds like a strat on the net pickup going through the WH-10 wire and the DOD or DOD FX-65 chorus into a cranked Marshall. It's not the typical bright, dark set- setup, so I think he's only using one Marshall for the song, probably the JCM-800. So Coons previously told us about the fact that John was splitting his signal to run to two Marshall setups. So one set darker in one ear, one set slightly brighter in the other ear. Not happening on this song. For the chorus, he's adding the Boss DS2 distortion, classic, to the main guitar part. In the left channel, there's a Fender Jaguar on the bridge pickup going through the Fender Hot Amp that's on the lead channel. We've spoken about the Hot Amp before. That's that, I was going to say it's unique, that unique sound. Well, I guess it is. It's, it's the I Could Have Lied guitar solo sound. <laughs> bridge section the main guitar is in the right channel and the chorals the choral sitar is in the left channel to the solo at the end of the song sounds like the jaguar through the wh10 and then straight into the board so that's a different approach again the frusciante at this time is <laughs> the whole thing's experimental isn't it this yes. entire album's experimental technically but, amazing yeah whilst being very experimental well, i think the the ethos might have been try it if it sounds cool. Well, very much like we, we do when we practice or when I was recording some recording. Just do it. If it's shit, it doesn't matter. But yes, experimentation is the seed of creativity, yeah. as we know. And John was living that particular life. Living that dream. So coming out of those audio examples from Kuhn, one of the things that, that struck us all in the room, or the, or the garage, is that amazing... Harmony on the chorus. Hmm. That might be an octave. Go for the fifth. It's amazing. Yeah. It's, and it catches the ear because it's in the second half of um, each chorus, isn't mm-hmm. it? Ah, oh, so good. Well, and, and we, we inquired, how is that being done? It's overdubbed. Oh, it's, it's two, yeah, it's an overdub for sure. It's two guitars being played. Yeah, uh, not at the same time though, as we did clarify. We had a little laugh, didn't we? Very difficult to uh, play two guitars at the same time. Not impossible. No, it's not actually, because I have seen YouTube videos of people doing it. Yeah, and I've done it. That's a lie. <laughs> <laughs> so, anything else to say about the glory that is Blood Sugar Sex Magic, the song? Well, I think listening to it 
with you guys there, I was struck by the fact, I asked myself a question, could this have been a, a successful single? Are you going to answer that, or do you want me to answer that? It's better, from, from my point of view, it's a, I prefer the Blood Sugar Sex Magic to give it away. Uh, yeah, okay, fair enough. So on that basis, as far as I'm concerned, hmm. it should you know, be a better single. But I, I, I appreciate the fact that that's not true because it doesn't have the sort of commercial appeal of a, of a give it away. So why, why, I, this is my question to you, why okay. is it such a good song but so unsuitable for single release? I'll give you the three things you need for uh, a great single release. Okay. Hookability. I think it's got it. It's got an amazing hookability. Great, so that ticks that box. Needs to be radio friendly, and it's not radio sex. friendly. What because it says sex? No, it's just too heavy, too too languid, too dark, too languid. too languid. And um, what's the third thing? I'm just thinking. I've got, well, I've got two. There's two. Re- there's two reasons. Two things make a great single. Okay. What was the first one? <laughs> <laughs> Hookability. <laughs> Hookability okay. and radio friendly. Okay. And that's. Hook, it's so hookable, but it's it's not really a friendly. No, and I think that hook metaphor ties into the blood sugar sucker fish in my dish. That fish, I don't think, could have been snagged or hooked, if you will, with this song. I think they needed to hook new fish or fans mm. with more accessible songs, like "Give It Away," like a song that we're going to come up to now, called "Under the Bridge." Yeah. They're the things that hook in those um, sucker fishes, okay, so, aka the fans. Yeah, and then those fans who've been hooked can then explore, go back, explore the other tracks, the deeper and darker section of the band. Yeah, okay. and and also as as we do wrap, as we desperately and- try to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the lyrics on this song are absolutely phenomenal. Well, um, we, the swan. yeah, we haven't given the swan enough time. Well, give him his due. I mean, we did deliver some of it earlier on. But. He's always been a wonderful lyricist. Pe- you know, people talk about his silly lyrics. Yes, of course. But songs like this, Glorious Euphoria is my must. Mm. Erotic shock is a function of lust. Yeah. Yeah, and it's... And that's just, that's just one... You talk about you Whitmans. Yes. W.W. Uncle Walt again. You talk about you Keats... You talk about your you Siegfried, yeah, of course, I have. <laughs> yeah, Siegfried Sassoon, World War One poet. But you talk about your Keats, your Siegfried Sassoon. <laughs> also, branch out hairdressing. Exactly. Let's not forget about Vidal, <laughs> his son. <laughs> yeah, his hairdressing son. You talk about these wordsmiths. I think the Swan is up there with the best the of the great American poets. Yeah. So let's wrap up Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Mm. What a tune. We're now moving on to. One of the most iconic songs that Red Hot Chili Peppers have ever recorded. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Under the Bridge. Sometimes I feel like I don't have a partner. Sometimes I feel like my only friend is the city I live in, the city of angels. Lonely as I am, together we cry. Well, as I slide euphorically, upliftingly, yet slightly melancholily, melancholically, melancholically, 
out of under the bridge. It's time to hand over to me. One, two, three, go. What you drinking? Go. More He's than enough for you. Now. Well, Dan open Hill over and over again now. Open and over until it ends. What you drinking? Sam, outrageously, I asked this question. Sure. What you drinking? Well, Ben, it is with great pleasure that I announce a partnership with Northern Monk. Ah, yes. And Aunt Bessie. Hang on, not the purveyor of the famous Yorkshire pudding? Yes, Ben, that very purveyor. And it is, indeed, a roast dinner brown ale. A roast dinner brown ale. You heard it right, people. This is a brown ale in the flavour of a roast dinner. Ridiculous. The whole concept is ridiculous. Take its mouth. I'm going to apply this to the mouth live on air. Here I go. That's enjoyable, I'll be there. Mm. The first thing that struck me was the, was the gravy. Pass me the cat. Yeah, the thing is, it's the first thing that strikes you about your, your first mouthful of a pale ale is gravy. It's not a pale ale, it's a brown ale. It's a brown ale. Then something's gone wrong. It, it's not the best, but it, of course it it's is. not. It tastes like a roast dinner. It is a beer in the flavour of a roast dinner, which I think, in its, in its, you know, the the idea, the concept. No, no, there's nothing. You, there's no, there's no way you can tell me that the concept of a beer that tastes like roast gravy, and I say roast gravy, there's no such thing. A roast dinner with gravy on it is a good idea. Conceptually sound, <laughs> uh, but uh, the unfortunately the. Utterly disgusting. The result is, well, it's not, it's not undrinkable. Okay. And uh, so you started with a Hazy Jane, I can see. That was your starter. That was your prawn cocktail. Yes, Hazy Jane, then the roast dinner. And for dessert, I've got uh, a Northern Monk in partnership with Aunt Bessie, the mm. purveyor of the famous Yorkshire pudding. Uh Yorkshire. Jam, roly-poly and custard, pale ale. Of course you have. Right. I this should a, be nicer than this. I had a more sane level have an ice-cold, it's been stored in generic too, which is, for the first time ever on the podcast, stacked on top of generic blue. Mm. It's a double blue cool box situation. I did say that uh, you, you weren't to bring two cool boxes into the garage at one time. I know, and what did I say? Screw you, motherfucker. <laughs> That's exactly what it said. And inside that second box, which I bought with such lucidity, was ice-cold carling. Absolutely yes. beautiful. What we assume. Let's try it for the let's, let's try this, yes. Feel? Yes. Wet. Okay. Flavour? None. Ah. Texture? Zero. Not even sparkling? No. No, it's gone flat. Well, I mean, amazingly, I've seen you drink this repeatedly. Mm. I'm a repeat offender. Is it? What, what's the... What's, what's the, the allure? Yeah. Of this particularly... <laughs> Difficult pro- to tell. I, I think it's... Is, an it addic- the, is it the mental effects that you chase? Oh, I think it's an addiction problem. <laughs> <laughs> but we'll, we'll try... We won't dwell on it. No, but we won't, no. <laughs> Go! 
What you drink? Speed it up, yo. More than enough of you now. Over and over again now. Over and over again. It says, What you drinking? Okay, so as we come out of what you drinking, go into Under the Bridge, for the love of God. Talk about Under the Bridge. Will you start? No. Okay, I'll start. Give me um, A Mesa sauce. It's lovely that the Chili Peppers did a cover of the All Saints classic. Oh, what a shocking cover that was. I remember being physically disgusted. I was at university at the time, Southampton University. I went to the Avenue campus. That was the era Hang where... on, we're supposed to be talking about Under the Bridge. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, carry on. Um... <laughs> <laughs> I was about to start talking about no, using a payphone. I took my going to the Avenue campus. <laughs> Crack on. Hey, mates, help us. Yeah. Good joke. Good joke. I'm sure you'll agree. What? The, that. What I just said. Oh, hey, mates, is a joke. Yeah. Yeah. I can't take credit for it. Uh, what can be said about this absolute banger that hasn't already been said? Well, exactly. Uh, been said over the, the last 32 years. And I, that goes back to our shocking discovery earlier today that this album is 32 years old. It's the song people who don't like the Red Hot Chili Peppers probably know and sing along to. Amazing video too with JF in that incredible beanie playing the Fender Jag. Iconic guitar. I mean, it's an iconic. The Jag itself. We can't get into the video, of course. Which we won't. Let's think about... Aidan's going to talk a little bit about this on his video. But this guitar intro is... Can you name a more iconic guitar intro from the Chili's, at least? Oh, well... Not necessarily from Scar the Tissue, from maybe? Other, from, from other stratospheric bands. Hmm? Yes. Sweet Child of Mine? Maybe Scar Tissue. So what's up, what's up there with this? Because this is amazing. If you played the start of Under the Bridge to anyone who is... Who's, who's relevant. Yeah. Anyone who's relevant. Then they'll, they'll, know they'll, they'll know it's Under the Bridge. Anyone who okay. doesn't know it. And that's how, I, that's not how I judge whether I want to get to know someone. Hmm. I approach them stealthily. Hmm playing under the bridge if mm. they don't react i'll just move on somewhere well, i went to see our grandmother uh, a few days ago i played at the start of under the bridge off my phone i said do you know this she said no i said you're not relevant and left <laughs> <laughs> yeah but name three iconic guitar starts guitar, to a song. okay well, i'll guitar name one interest. then you name one then i'll name one okay and then simon names one okay i'm gonna start with uh, sweet child of mine okay i'll go under the bridge kelly <laughs> 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 you're stiff now right yeah. yeah what you got Hotel California? Lovely. Yeah, Lovely. well yeah. done. Yeah, okay. Cracking, okay, and that's so it. So, that, I mean, they really are iconic. They're the big three. I'll tell you what we're going to do. We're going to go to Kuhn. We're going to listen to his audio yeah, parts. And, and then we're going to come back and read his parts because he's got some great points to make. says if i could ask brendan o'brien one question it would definitely be how to how they recorded the intro to under the bridge it's such a classic sound but it seems impossible to replicate even when john frusciante is playing it it doesn't uh live it doesn't have the same tone as on the record nothing and this isn't cool this is now me nothing has the same tone as the start of under the bridge uh, as he says it it's a different take mm. to the rest of the song it's 
the guitar sounds on Under Bridge, I think, are phenomenal. It's such a, on the verses, it's such a thin sound. Yes. But it works perfectly for the song. But that intro, that's, I'm, I'm going on record. It's my number one guitar intro of all time. Wow, that is a, that is a bold statement. I'm a bold man. Yes. What I do know, says Kuhn, is that the intro is a different take and a different signal chain than the rest of the song. My guess is that the intro is the Jaguar through the MXR Dynacomp, the compressor pedal, to the Fender Hot Amp. And the rest of the song sounds like the Strat through the Marshalls with the bright, dark configuration that we spoke about earlier, yeah. the, the splitting of the signal. For the last part of the song, John adds the DoD FX65 chorus pedal. And you can hear that for the... Um, La, 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 yeah, la, la, yeah. The, the outro part. And you can hear that chorus pedal switch on. It, it gives it that kind of more watery yes. sound, I think. I always think of it as... And live, John puts more chorus on, I think. And it sounds more... Um, watery. Watery, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> but the overdubs that we talked about when we, when we were listening to it really add a melancholy feel well, to it. Well, they do, and they're, they're, so, they're so crucial. I mm. mean... Well, the overdub single notes, we should say, is what we're talking about. Yeah. Because you have the, that, that main guitar part that everyone knows, but in a different ear, you have an overdubbed note, like single note. Bam. Yeah. Bam. And I think it's that because I think the intro is played in major chords, uh, which should sound happy. But those notes, bam, I think it's, this, it's the second note. Bam. Bam. It's that one that, make, that makes it sound sad. Yes, yes. That's right. It's a, as, as you say, that, that sort of melancholic quality. Mm. But they also provide a structure to the intro. But I think, yeah. you know, they support the, the main guitar line. Yeah. In, in such a subtle, and, and for many people, it would, it would go unnoticed. Yeah. But they would know it was there, but they wouldn't necessarily know why they were appreciating that particular quality of the intro and it, it's it's an incredible thing that um just by doing something that simple you can add so much mm. it, and you say it's subtle and i agree it's subtle like as you say people don't you might not hear it the first few times once you focus on those single notes <laughs> ah, they're suddenly they're really loud yeah that, that, that's right and it's that note that i said listen to this one he barely it's like that one take, two take ethos. He doesn't play that note. No, but both, he, but he, he, he misses it, or it's quieter. Well, both of in. those are designed to be quieter, and I think that's why he missed it. I'm not sure they were because at the end that note is quieter. But I think the one—I can't remember which one it is—but there's one that is clearly yeah. quieter. I think it's just he didn't didn't hit. I don't think he was. All the other notes are so strident. Well, they are, but I, um, my feeling is that he was trying to play it, it more lightly. Email in, but at, uh, no, Ben Townsend Music. At com. if you think John was trying to play that note lighter. I think, uh, yeah. This is, this is the only Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast in the world that really nails down to single notes and whether the <laughs> yeah. guitarist Well, is. it's the only Red Hot Chili Peppers podcast in the world anyway. True. As far as we know. Yeah. We've talked about the intro. One of the most amazing things in the entire world. The guitar part, the verse guitar part is, again, it's Vashante at his finest, I think. Hendrixian, <laughs> those flicks, pulls, tricks, licks. Verse one. All performed 
slick. Hmm. Tricks, flicks, licks, slick. Verse one, there's not much of it, is there? It's just chords. As the song progresses, he throws in more of those little hammer-on pull-off runs and stuff like that. Those elaborations. Yeah, extemporizations. We must go back to this one here. The low register. Sometimes I feel... But I don't ever... So he's... I'm not sure I entitled it, but... It's just... It's just the process of going up again. It's less pronounced, obviously, than it is in If You Have To Ask, um, and it is in Blood Sugar. Mm. But it's the same basic principle. He's embracing songwriting techniques that... He's toyed with for a couple of years. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll read that section from Blood Sugar again, if you want. I, I, I will. I will really read a, <laughs> read a section. Read the whole book. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've got my book out here. This, got, this is real. Gosh, this that book looks old. Yeah, <laughs> it's brown. <laughs> <laughs> it looks like you uh, bought a, a partially grilled <laughs> copy of Scar Tissue. So the garage. It, well, look at it. Can up. I smell it? Oh, it smells like an old book. Yeah, I love the I mean, smell it, of it. I know. Well, don't lose the page. Let me smell it. I'm now going to apply this. Actually, book. you can lose the page because so the it's nose. the one after the photo section. Okay. That starts with the boob. Oh. No, smell the, out, the outer pages. Oh, that is lovely. Book. And I'm sure if you agree with me that there's nothing better than the smell of an old book, email in to at stack, ta- no, <laughs> stack, stack Townsend at yahoo.co.uk. Entitle the email smelly old books. <laughs> The extract from Scar Tissue reads, my level of, about the swan singing, yeah. because obviously he was deeply uncomfortable. If you want to know about history... But no, no, of, no, that's so unfortunate, being that he is a singer in a band. <laughs> no, and, he, and he's written this song slash poem. But of course, it's, it's more heartfelt. If you want to hear about the history of the song, read, um, go, we've talked about it on Under the Bridge over the years. Go back to that episode. Aidan's going to say it's brilliantly titled. Thank you. On the clip you're going to hear from Aidan later on, he says, well done, Ben and Sam. Ah, brilliant. What I, what I do need to make clear here is you had nothing to do with the coming up with that title, did you? Well, yes, I did, yeah. Another lie. So, the swan says, my level of discomfort depended on the song. I remember going up to sing Under the Bridge and just feeling, oh God, I can't believe I have to sing this. But Brendan, Brendan O'Brien, of course, made it as comfortable as humanely possible. Or humanly. <laughs> 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 like of, course, of, course, of course the album was recorded in a humane setting <laughs> sounds like he was going to put this one down yeah. <laughs> and that very swan they were, the, they were the two choices sing the song or I'll put you down <laughs> but, this guy's fighting for his life get your um Get your record out. Check on the back. It probably says like a petter. Um, yeah. Disclaimer. This song. Record it. No, sw- no swans. <laughs> no no swans. swans were harmed in the recording of this album. Yeah. But they nearly were. Is it Petter or Peter? <laughs> Peter. <laughs> no, but you know P-E-T-A. Yeah, Peter. Okay. <laughs> I would be all serious and on edge and insecure, trying to let the spirits flow through me. And I had Brendan on the other end of the headphones busting jokes, laughing at me, laughing at himself, laughing about the song. He was remarkable, the perfect voice to have in your ear, reminding you not to take yourself too seriously, and also knowing that you would get to it when you got it. That's the other thing. Remember we were saying about just take chances? Yeah. You don't, if you get it wrong... Don't worry. Scratch it, yeah. It's this in is there. a wonderful environment, that mansion, to record music. The perfect creative environment. That little cupboard that Flea was in. 
Yeah, well, that was perfect. He'd say things like, I've heard you sing it. I know it's there. We'll find it. Don't worry about it. Take your time. That's the real sound oh, of a real oh. smelly, dusty book. Let's go to Aidan. This song is so huge and formed such a large part of my formative years, it would actually be quite tricky to talk about objectively. It's kind of like Yesterday by the Beatles. It feels as though it has outgrown the album and become its own entity, distinct from the rest of the band's catalogue. I previously discussed the bass line in the episode Under the Bridge over the years back in March 2022. Um, great episode title, by the way, Ben and Sam. So I'll try not to repeat myself too much. However, the overarching theme here is maturity. The change in approach on this album allowed Flea to showcase a more refined side to his playing and Under the Bridge is all the better for it. An excellent example of this is the first 28 bars in which Flea plays a total of five notes. They are all this note. E, which is the lowest note you can play on the bass. There are some great clips on YouTube of him leaving the stage at this point to let someone in the wings play it for him. Then we wait for another verse before anything else happens. We're now about a third of the way through the song and have reached the first chorus. John has mentioned recently that he was inspired by Joe Jackson's In Every Dream Home, which inspired the offbeat placement of the first chord in the chorus. And Flea helps to highlight this with a big F-sharp power chord. This is then played by a sublimely melodic line that perfectly sits between the drums, guitar and melody, tying everything together. Here's the first chorus in full. Quite a functional bass line that has such a memorable melody and shape is a massive goal for bass players. And I am sure you'll agree that Flea achieves it perfectly here. This part happens twice in the song and the second time through it is a little different. Check out how Flea uses the lower register of the bass in the fourth bar to help add excitement. skipped on a little here without talking about the verse. The chorus is quite a busy part and the simplicity of the verse complements it perfectly. Here it is. It is literally just root notes, played with Chad's kick drum. The spaces in between the notes allow John's Hendrix-esque part to be heard clearly, and the use of offbeats helps to prevent it from sounding too predictable. This then finishes with an E that is two octaves higher than Flea's first notes at the end of the first verse. Now we get to the last part of the song. 
The band gives us a quick six bar glimpse of this before interjecting the F major seven, E seven, G major seven bit. Flea only plays root notes here, so I'll skip over that to focus on the more interesting outro. At first listen, this sounds quite improvised, but as you look at it more closely, you can start to hear the repetition that ties the line together. Here are the first four bars. is basically just that line repeated with a few changes until the end of the song. As the harmony changes from A major to A minor, Flea highlights this by leading with a C, the minor third. This note is quite surprising and helps to add a level of sophistication to the line, almost giving it a jazzy feel. The vocals and drums drop out in the last two repetitions and you can really hear how the guitar and bass link up. Check out the fast triplet halfway through, which is really effective. the end of the song. I'm pretty sure I've covered everything here, but as always, it's not just the notes that make these songs so iconic. It's the overall intention and attitude behind the performance that really connects with the audience. Well, more amazing stuff from Aiden there. And once again, a shout out to all the, the contributors that we have, the DTP, Drum Technical Points, JJ, MJ, Magic Johnson, GTPs come flying in from Coon, BTPs, from uh, Aidan Hampson, of course, the wonderful Aidan Hampson, and just HTPs, I guess historical technical points, from a man that I like to call A Mace. Mm. Sam, are you pleased that we have these people contributing? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, that's of course back. I am. Yeah. It, it adds a level of detail and depth. And passion. These guys are passionate. Uh, and talented. It's stuff that we, we cannot explain that stuff to you. To have Coon playing the guitar, to have JJ coming in with those notes, to, to hear Aiden play that outro to Under the Bridge. It's a, it's a privilege. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. And against that bass, of course, Aiden's just played, you've got John playing, that, playing this song on high chords as well. Mm. It's one of the things that works about this song for me is the fact that you have that low bass rumble, the LBR, against John's... Well, um, um, Aidan used the word jazzy when Flea chooses to play the C uh, going to the A. Yes. On that kind of A, A minor change. The whole thing has a slightly jazzy feel uh, on John's parts to me. But that's the thin tone all the way through. The part on the, uh, the, held, the held chord before the chorus... Ring, and then you just hear that fret buzz as he slightly lifts his fingers off. Not, not, not on purpose. I don't think that's on purpose because if you play under the bridge, you're okay. You're yeah. just gassing up that. Um, oh, you're new pudding. Yes. Cool. As if you play under the, <laughs> if you play under. <laughs> Christ, it's like talking to, no, to a yes no machine. <laughs> 
<laughs> I didn't want to throw you off a stride. No, no, it's fine. <laughs> if you play under the bridge, when you when you play that that chord, yeah. If you, <laughs> <laughs> I did that one on purpose. <laughs> okay. You will kind of sometimes lift your fingers off, and you get that exact that exact same sound. You can't do it on purpose. It will happen every every so often. Yeah, I mean the the beauty and the thank you, Aidan, for 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 that because that it was just an incredible analysis of Flea's work. His um, choices, you know, the choices made by all the band members in this song yeah. are incredible. Yeah, but Flea's decisions are they all they all work? Well, when Aidan said the outro part, and it's a phenomenal outro, when um, the Swan's gone, Chad is gone. <laughs> but it's just John and Flea left in the song and it and it comes down to ending. Yeah. Aiden said it sounds like it's improvised, but it's but it's not. But there's so much variation there. Yeah. Which you don't necessarily because you I I don't know, maybe it's just me, but my ear picks up on guitar sounds more than bass sounds, yeah. I guess. Yeah. That's double yes. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Keep, keep going. <laughs> That's fine. This is not. This can't become a thing. <laughs> but the amount of work that Flea is doing on this song, whilst keeping it so simple, mm. like the verses, he's doing nothing. The the, the 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 choruses are so melodic. Bum. Ah, oh, just missing that first beat as um as Eden picked up the. It, you can hear it on the broken. What is it? Broken record. Broken record, yeah. Broken record podcast. Well, he's serving the song. And I think there can be no greater example than this. Yeah, well, that's your name, isn't it? STS. Yeah. You ditched the middle name Donovan. You've just called Sam serving the song. Townsend. But Flea is absolutely doing that here. And, and yes, it, he ramps it up later on to a certain extent. But he, he never does anything that is too showy or unnecessary. This is, well, it goes on with the chilies because this was the changing of the guard, bass-wise. Mother's Milk, from the earlier albums, the first, the first four albums, to Mother's Milk, where it started to change slightly. But this is the one, isn't it, where Flea's bass playing style changed. It is. He's had he's had two identities, isn't he? As, as he says in, on Funky Monks, you know, oh, yeah. he was the the badass uh, slap and pop bassist who yeah. made a name for himself yeah. doing that, and he he did the hell out of it, as he says, and he mm. did it all over the world. And now and now we we see this side of his bass playing personality, and it's as as Aiden said, it's it's a maturity thing, and it's mu- much more mature. It's amazing though because he wasn't that. Old, no, he was time. probably twenty-seven. Well, it's evolution, not revolution, I suppose. Because I, the, the chilies evolve, but they don't revolve. Revolve, yeah, they don't revolve. revolve. Talk to me about the outro because this is where it goes. This is well, again, this no, song just gets better and better. What about what? What about the choir? Well, that's what I was getting. The outro. <laughs> oh, fine. Oh, not the not the absolute outro. The no, no, no. This this song builds and builds, and, it, and then it builds up with, as Aidan said, just those single bass notes, the single bass notes, and you see them live when he does go to the side of the stage because yeah. he turns it down, so it's a fade in on those notes. Yeah, and he just says, "You play the note," then he fades, he turns his uh, volume pot up. 
two other drums come in and they're locking in. Uh, hit me. You can't hurt me. Suck my proverbial. JJ says this. Yeah. Let's what get a bit about the myth. said about Under the Bridge that hasn't already been said. There's really not a lot to this song drum-wise. It's all AK and JF. That's Classic. Anthony Kiedis. Side stick during the verses for a slow ballad intro. Then the big drum for 250 to the ride out into the outro. The bass and kick drum pattern during the second verse is so interesting and I never really caught it until I started playing in his Red Hot Chili Peppers tribute band, which we should shout out to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and had to learn these songs inside out. Flea is alternating his accents in the last bar of the four-bar phrasing, and Chad is matching him note for note, which is lovely. A really interesting piece of interplay that you might miss if you're not looking out for it. Still a beauty of a song. This would be a great song for a, a beginner, for beginner drummers to learn. Lots of dynamic changes and syncopation with the bass on the second verse, and a true definition of a crowd pleaser. Yeah, I mean, it really is. If you start playing this pretty much anywhere, I think people will go nuts, especially if you're the Chili's and you play it. I mean, the, the problem is now it's so emotionally draining for John. It is, poor lad. He can barely get through it. But it is. It's a crowd pleaser for, for listeners, you know. And I'm talking up and down the country in pubs on a Friday and Saturday night. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The, the punters love it. If you, yeah, they do. If you start playing under the bridge... Seriously, the place will go nuts. But it's also so satisfying to play as, as, a, as a band. Hmm. Do you think we should start playing on? Well, we really do two chilly songs, though. Well, we could play it. I, I mean, on a, it, on a sort of selfish level. Oh, yeah, <laughs> nothing for you to do. Well, no, and also I've sung it for so long yeah. that to hear someone else singing it, me. While I'm involved, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> me specifically, yeah, would would be un- would it be- would be a blow, a body blow. <laughs> <laughs> it would be a body blow, but it would be it would feel unusual. Yeah, <laughs> let's leave it at that. Okay, strange. All right, we won't do it. There's clearly we can't issues. Do it. Well, we can do it. No, but, I don't want to uh, do it anymore. I would have to sing it. Well, I'll play the con then. You can play the guitar. Well, no, because it hasn't really. We could play it without any. This is this, this is, is probably a, this is a conversation for a different time. Total speculation. Uh, lastly, the amazing high chords from John towards the end. And again, like, oh, well, we haven't even spoke about the choir. <laughs> Gail Fashanto comes in with friends again. Watch Funky Monks if you are listening to this podcast and you somehow have not watched the Funky Monks documentary, it is available on YouTube. And DVD. And it, well... Mm, if you've already got it. Yeah, and it's available in um, Black Wax. It is. But it is framed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you can't find it on DVD and you do live in the Hampshire area, you can buy a copy. No, I'll, free, go, on, I'll go on record here. Pre-framed. I'll go on record here. If you don't want to watch it on YouTube, if you want the DVD without the case... You'll send it. If you uh, contact me on Bentanzo Music at hotmail.com, yes. And if it's still there, I will go to Black Wax Records and Coffee, fantastic place. Go there for toasters all the time. Purchase it and mail it to you. And free of charge. No, not free of charge. Cover costs, of course. But okay, that's my promise to you. 
It's hard to imagine that anyone would want you to do that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you never know, do you? No, you, see, you certainly you don't. You never know. In fact, I might email you. <laughs> <laughs> just so okay, I just don't a, have to walk just down a, the line. <laughs> but just, just put a caveat on this one. <laughs> yeah. You won't want anyone but you. <laughs> <laughs> So as I literally come naked out of Naked in the Rain, yes, I think it's a celebration of the song, um, and I think it's a celebration of the human form. It is, but the, I mean, I came away from this and I said, what a great song, receives a bad press mainly from you, but there's a lot of good, a lot of good within this, mm. a lot of good. I agree with you. I think you've changed your tune. Positives. My foot was tapping, my head was nodding. The thing is... This song's got a riff. That, that, that motif. I can understand why the band and, wanted it to be on the album. Uh, but no, the pro- my problem is, I don't like the riff. Oh. And well, that is a major, I don't like that the ver- is a Yeah, but the thing problem. is, I don't like the verse riff, but it also carries into the chorus. Mm. Like, naked in the rain. And then then it goes back into the riff. Yeah. That's little, then it goes back into the riff. We've got some great things to say about the chorus. I really do like parts of the chorus. Yeah. But if you don't get on board with that main riff, you are in trouble. Well, and Chad, Chad's drums as well, because he sticks solidly to, to that beat. Give me, give me JJ on this. Oh, I like it. A tasty little toe tapper, says JJ. Mm. This beat is a sort of variation on something like did I let you know? This is interesting. That's an interesting point, even if, you, even if this came way before it. Mm. A funk, Latin-type groove that once again matches up to the bass accents. Chad is mostly playing the same accented groove throughout, as I just said. If you don't buy into that, you're in trouble. This isn't really much of an album highlight for well, me. I said that, but yeah. I like the energy and feel of the tune, but, this, what, but if this wasn't on the album, I wouldn't complain about missing it. Mm. Now, he's very much in my camp. Aiden's going to make a similar point. <sighs> Salt to Squeeze is not on this album. Ben, we've been, this is... Well it's a tale as old as time. The point is, the band fell in love with this jam. I think. This, I mean, this is me espousing my own thoughts. Yeah. That's all you can do. Yeah. Well, Aiden's going to go on to say that he thinks it's just because of the bass solo. And, it's, and I don't even like the bass solo. I'm not sure. I, 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 think, I, I think the bass solo is good, but I think there's more to it. I think, I think there's the whole instrumental part is pure chilies of that era. <sighs> Let, let's check out and, and In a good way. I, th- I think this is where you, fr- where you first start hearing the bass solo, to me, sounds quite one-hot-minute-ish flea. 
where it's more loose. It, it's not what you expect. Whereas what previously, oh, the the riff. I don't think the verses are particularly inspired. Um, there's more that I like. We'll get into what I like. Okay. Let's go to Aiden for these. Bass Let's parts. go to yes. Right here we go. I feel a huge responsibility here to plead the case for this bass-centric song and the track that features that huge solo from Flea. I understand why Ben pours so much disdain onto Naked in the Rain. It's not the most melodic of tracks and definitely one of the most repetitive. It does feature a classic Flea slap pattern though, with thumb and fingers rocking back and forth to create that signature rhythm. It's really similar to Aeroplane, Can't Stop and Dark Necessities and is pure chilies throughout. Before we look at the part, let's get the admin done. There are three bases here. There are a fretted and fretless bass, which are both detuned by a tone, and there is also a fretted bass in standard tuning, which plays the first part of the solo. We'll talk about that in more detail later on. The detuned fretted bass plays the bulk of the song. The official tab book doesn't have this written correctly, and instead has the detuned bass in drop D, which means you only detune one string rather than all four. There's a great moment in Chad's Red Hot Rhythm Method video, however, which clearly shows how Flea really plays it. I'll play the main riff for you now. Um, quick disclaimer, I'm not going to detune the bass down a tone. I'm just, for the, for the sake of simplicity, I'm just gonna leave it in um, standard tuning. <laughs> It's based around an octave shape that slides between the third and fifth fret. This then moves up a fifth for the latter half of the verse. It's basically the same line, just transposed. Flea needs to keep this really tight as Chad syncs up so tightly with his drum beat. Flea's rocking pattern means that the pops notes fall on the offbeat semiquavers, and these are the notes that we can hear so clearly from the snare drum. Flea slows things down a little for the chorus, with some longer notes leading back into the slap pattern. Here's the first chorus. following courses are really similar. Okay, I've skimmed through that a little to allow more time for the bass solo. I think it's fair to say that the success of Under the Bridge will have brought a new audience to the band with this album, and this might be the first time they've heard Flea play like this. We've heard him play plenty of solos before, notably in um, Mother's Milk, Stone Cold Bush, but just imagine what it would have been like to have Flea's virtuosity thrown at you for the first time with this track. I have to give a huge shout out here to Cohen from the YouTube channel Red Hot Chili Riffs. He is quickly becoming the authority on all things Red Hot Chili Peppers guitar and bass, and he helps me with some of the details here. There are two basses in the solo. A fretted bass in standard tuning plays the first half, before a fretless bass in drop tuning takes over for the second half. The change from fretted to fretless offers a nice change in tone, but I have no idea why the fretless bass was detuned down a tone. I guess this is another example of the experimentation and productivity that Rick Rubin brought to the sessions. We start in the key of F, but it isn't long before Flea leaves this and moves to E and then G. It flies by at a rate of knots, so I'll play it for you more slowly. 
Listen carefully to the note choice. There are plenty of moments for chromaticism and awkward intervals that really give the line a quirky feel. again for you at full speed. That pretty much covers the whole track, with the last two minutes of the song being a repeat of the first few riffs. I am sure that the huge bass solo is the reason it was included on the album. And although it's great to hear Flea play like this, is it really worth sacrificing soul to squeeze for? I'll let you make up your own minds. So coming out of that, I think the question is, and thank you, Aidan, that was amazing. Do you want this on the album of soul to squeeze? I'm in very firmly in the soul to squeeze camp, even though I will be more positive about the song shortly. For me, it's not... And it is for you. The argument of including Soul Squeeze over any song, yeah, if, you know, if we're choosing this to be the sacrificial lamb, mm. we have to ask, why is that? It's not very good. But the, the, the fact that Soul Squeeze wasn't on the album was not down to the fact that Naked and the Rain is bullshit. We, Dave's, if, if Dave's, Dave's is. spoke... No, well, it's not bullshit. And despite the fact that I've gone on record numerous times One saying it is bullshit. One too many ballads, man. Uh... Yeah, that was the that was the thing, wasn't it? And yeah. at the time, they've said since decisions were made that might not have been the best decisions. Just be brave. This isn't the chilly sound. You can't have another ballad. You can't have I could have lied under the bridge and sold squeeze on the same record. Yeah. I would argue with the um, well, with twenty twenty hindsight that you can. Well, I would also argue that if you want to put sold squeeze on, you don't necessarily have to not put naked in the rain on. It's already a long album. Just pop them both on. Anyway, let's talk about the reasons why I now like this. Okay. Let's talk about the bass solo as well. But why do you like it? Well, I like the bass solo. That's a, a focal point for the whole song. But I also think, yes, it's a throwback to Flea's, you know, classical technique. But you're also seeing new elements. You've got the lovely... Naked. Oh, that's, I mean, that's great, yeah. That's yeah, great. You've got you've those got, long notes where it really opens up. You've got up. the development yeah. coming along with the old style bass playing. We'll I, not argue with that. No. Those long notes, because the whole song's very busy. That kind of. It's almost like Suck My Kiss, actually. It's that one to three as well, fretwise. You think about how this song goes repeatedly. That kind of riff. That's Suck My Kiss. That's very similar. Yeah. I've just realised. Um, yeah, but then, it, so it's very busy, but then you're right, it opens up. Thank you. 
it's airy yeah. in those areas. Yeah, it is. And great backing singing as well. That, that whole part is, is brilliant. I think the swan shines, maybe not lyrically. Oh, no, I think lyrically this is one of my favourite swan moments. Okay, fine. Because... Uh, Dr. Doolittle, what's your secret? Give it to me, doctor. Don't keep it. I love that. Can we, let's, let's, do that um, let's do that as the outro. Let's do um, Naked in the Rain with the full production. Fine. That chorus is great. And also, on the, um, what makes it more airy as well is the fact that you've got John really busy, really busy, yes. guitar-wise, a lot of right-hand action. It's phenomenally good. Hmm. And can, I, can you believe I've just said that about Naked in the I Rain? I can, yes. It's because phenomenally good. That part of that particular song. Chad's hitting it hard. And I think, as um, Aidan said, there's, there's that huge relationship between, and the close relationship between the bass part and the drums. And it is so repetitive. Yeah. Don't know. I think that's its downfall. Mm. I've just said that I like the slow arpeggios. Let's go to Coon to see what he's got to say about the recording. The song is pretty straightforward. It's one take from beginning to end. That's an interesting fact. Isn't that it? is a very like we've just fact. specifically spoken about under the bridge. The intro is a separate take to the rest of the song. Mm. It's a strat on the neck pickup through the WH10, which is on bass mode. This is interesting. Through the Dodd or DOD FX65 chorus, to what sounds like only one Marshall recorded with a close mic and a room mic. So that again is a different setup. Yeah. So a, a close mic will give you the tightness of the sound, and the room mic will pick up then like the natural mm. ambiance or, mm. or, or ambience of the of the of the room. No, oh, I, I personally say ambiance. Yeah, I say ambiance too. John has the DS2 in the pre-chorus. Oh, that's, yeah, it's cool, where he's like naked in the jungle with uh, whatever. <laughs> What's he naked with? A killer whale. A killer whale. But that the guitar part's cool. It's got a lot more distortion on it. Yeah. And it's very slidey power chords. Well, exactly. uh, it's good. It's good. what I mean. Look. They, hang on. I just I will said get off the hate train, people. Well... <laughs> I have been on the hate train for this song a long time. But you're not now. Time. Admit you're off the hate train. I'm off the hate train. Right, fine. So you're just now on the platform or are you going to get onto the love train? <laughs> well, I'm saying I'm going to do that. Is there an in-between train that's taking me Wait, perhaps to just uh, the, me- the mediocre train? No. Well, it's problematic, this song. Get it off the album. I'm, I'm sticking to that. Keep it on the album. No, I'm, get- I'm sticking with this. Get it off the album. There's so much more that could have been done with this space. Because you say add another one on. Cassette length might have not allowed it. Yeah. Uh, we know for a fact that when Extreme released Pornography, they didn't have wholehearted on it because there wasn't enough vinyl and space. That's bollocks. No one told me that when I bought a, an original pressing. <laughs> but that's the fact. You, you've got to have space for these songs to literally Fit on a record. go on the space that's available. There's right. only so tight you can squeeze the grooves. I think there's a hell of a lot going on. I think the Swan is fantastic here. Again, easy power, easy vocal delivery on what is not easy. So let's let's give him credit here. Oh, and absolute Jew, yeah. You're saying great lyric, great lyrical content. Well, I love. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm not saying that particularly. I'm saying I like the bit where he sings about 
Well, I like the guitar part where he sings about uh, killer whales. Yeah, okay. Oh, right. no, no, I like the Dr. Doolittle part, yeah. Because he's obviously just seen the Rex Harrison version of Dr. Doolittle because this was pre um, the Robert Downey Jr. version. Oh, so very, doc- oh, very much. So that's important because Dr. Doolittle, for those who don't know, is a doctor who can talk to the animals. Hmm. Specifically. He's not lazy. No. Why would Dr. Doolittle be a lazy man? Because he does little. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. He's got it. He's got it. <laughs> it took a while. It was. Slow. I just let it let it lay. Yeah, let, it just let it linger. Yeah. No, he's a Cranberry's he, reference. He's a you know He's, he's a, a busy man. He's a fully qualified vet. <laughs> he's a fully qualified veterinarian. Yeah. And also can talk can talk to animals, which is a bonus. So I think the Swan's seen that film, yeah, and is now singing about Doctor Doolittle, yeah. who, if we can just clarify, is not lazy. Second song, <laughs> second song in a row. We're well, yeah. not in a row. Second song we've spoken about today that has a tremolo picked outro. So you've got Blood Sugar finishes with a, and this ends up with. Do you recognise that now? Yes, I do, yes. Good. Okay. It's too long. Uh, don't like the bass solo. Got some oh, good parts. come on, man. No. Well, we're never going to agree on this. So, you know, we could hash this out for 10 years and we'd still be saying, hey, you'd be naked, more shriveled than you are now. So, if we move to the socials, I am Ben Townsend, music at hotmail.com if you'd like to email into this. If you want to be an ambassador, we send badges and flyers anywhere in the entire world. The uh, programme is real. The programme is real, Sam. You're absolutely right. At University RHCB on Twitter. I'm still Twitter on my phone, so I'll refer to it as that. Insta, University Speaking RHCP underscore pod. Insta, University Speaking underscore pod. Sam, you are. I would never refer to Twitter as anything other than Twitter. You know what we mean. You know what we're talking about. Mm. I am at Stack Townsend. I'm there for you. Always. Tweet me. So we'll wrap it up with a little bit of Naked in the Rain, shall we? Yes. Do you want to do the Naked in the Rain part or the uh, the Swan part? I'll, I'll special, I, I'm a Swan specialist. Okay. One, two, go. Naked in the rain Dr. Doolittle, what's your secret? Give it to me, doctor Don't keep it Naked in the rain Dr. Doolittle, what's your secret? Give it to me, doctor Don't keep it.